20 million views would be a disappointing sort of size of a video. We have a handful on our channel that are in the 2 billion view range and several that are over a billion views. So yeah, anything less than over the life of the video, 100 million is, is on the lower side. <laughs> We're back at Creator Generation. We've got Shannon Jones, who is a long-time uh, listener of the podcast, I hear, Shannon. Big hi, fan. hi. <laughs> yes, big fan. And that's, your, that's the number one reason why we have you on the show. Number two is uh, you are, the, you know, the, I guess, what do we call you? The, 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 the creator behind Bounce Patrol, one of the biggest channels in the world? Every time someone asks me to describe that, it changes. But yeah, I usually say the creator behind Bounce Patrol. Yeah, cool. The creator mastermind. She's, um, I like that. And Bounce Patrol. Let's um, why don't you 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 do it better than me? You tell us what what's Bounce Patrol because it's a pretty epic channel. Bounce Patrol. We make original uh, music and videos for young kids, and we aim to get them up and bouncing. So the songs are lively and dance centric, and usually have an educational element. And we love to get kids on their feet and bouncing along with us. And it's named after that move that little kids do. When a song comes on that they love, even when they're too young to even necessarily uh, dance or walk even, they will bounce up and down like, this is my jam. So uh, it's it's named after getting kids moving and bopping along. And having a, a three and a half year old, I can attest that she does in that, indeed bounce to... <laughs> Bounces to Bounce content. Patrol, yeah. Bounce so there's five control. performers in the show. So it's... Um, all shot on a green screen, um, but we have our live action performers who are singing the songs and uh, doing the dance moves that we're hoping to get kids to mimic. And yeah, we have Ill fully illustrated worlds that's different for each video. And it's big. It's, it's, it's big. It's yeah. huge. It's Don't. the biggest in Australia. We have 25 million subscribers and Whoa. we just passed 18 billion views. Billion. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and look, we, we, we've had you on in one of our very early episodes, um, and it was a very popular episode, and you were big then, but you're in, the channel is just enormous now. It's like a you know a global leader on YouTube, one of the biggest channels on YouTube, um, and they've obviously developed a lot since then. Yeah, I mean, we've we had a, a quite a wave of viewership over COVID, obviously, because all families were at home looking for ways to engage um, while they were working from home and the kids were in the background as well. So COVID was a really interesting time for kids' channels in general. Um, we definitely saw 2020 and 2021 being a huge um, increase in viewership. And that's tapered off a little bit now, but it's still obviously the growth that we had during that stage. We've built a much bigger audience and a lot of them have stuck around with us, even though kids are allowed outdoors again now, which is <laughs> awesome. Um, so, yeah, it's it, we've grown a lot over I mean, we've been doing it for 10 years. This is our 10th year that we're in now, coming up to the decade anniversary. So, yeah, it's been slow and steady growth most of that time except for a few moments where we had big growth spurts. Um and then obviously 2020 was another one of those big growth spurt moments for us. So, touching base mm -hmm. over the last 3 years, it's it's been a little bit of a, a wild ride. I mean, I like how you say slow and steady. I mean, I think compared to a lot of channels, it's not super slow <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the, of the uh, growth. I, I remember last time uh, when we, we were talking to you and we were asking about, you know, what's a, a normal video look like in terms of viewership compared to a bad video. I think that sort of set the, the tone as to what, 
your channel was like and what's normal and what's not normal. I'll, I'll let you say that again so people who didn't hear yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, 20 million views would be a disappointing Ugh. sort of size of a video. Um, we, have a f- we have a handful on our channel that are uh, in the 2 billion view range um, and several that are over a billion views. So... Yeah, anything less than over the life of the video, 100 million is is on the lower side. <laughs> oh my God, I need an emergency session with my therapist. Sorry, sorry, just just can you just say can you say that again? Just anything that's anything that's under that. 100 million views would be on the lower side. Uh, okay, I just that should be on a on a shirt. Like that is <laughs> quite a number on 100 million views, right? But I think when I met you last time, it was like, oh, anything under 20 million was a failure, and I think Ant and I both like had you know minor connections, and then. Now you're like 100 million. That's your that's your new mark. Yeah. But it, it also, that's part of our content strategy, right? We don't make a huge number of videos. We make a smaller number of videos that are going to be evergreen and that hopefully kids are going to want to watch every day. So I think that's quite a difference when you're making kids content when versus when you're making grown-ups content, um, something that we try and do. And there are grown-up channels that take this approach as well. I'd rather have one big video and spend a lot of energy and effort into that. So we make probably about one a month. We probably only make about 12 videos a year, but we put a lot of time and energy into each one of those videos and then try mm. to each time get something that's going to be um, that's going to be a big, a big hero video. And not every video is like that. We have certain ones that we know are going to be algorithm candy and then other ones that we're using um, as part of our programming that's more to round out our channel. Um, and so that's, for example, a lot more of the educational content. We really want to have that on there, but that's not something that's going to draw in viewers in the same way, you know, Old MacDonald Had a Farm is going to. Um, so we bring them into the channel with Old MacDonald Had a Farm and then when they're there, we teach them counting. <laughs> Hey, I just want to interrupt here to remind everyone we have set up this awesome thing. It's the Creator Generation Discord community. That's right. We're a bit slow to the Discord party, but this place is set up for you, for the creators of the world. So we have creators big and small. We're here to help you, help each other grow, succeed and thrive. Jump on the link below. We'll see you in there, the Discord community. We've got some pretty cool stuff happening on over there. So including our special guest at podcast I've interrupted with, Shannon Jones. She's hanging out in there too. So come on, come and say hi. All right, back to the podcast. It's, it's, oh God, there's so many things to unpick. I mean, we won't hear from Phoebe for the next 20 minutes because she's still picking herself up from the floor yeah. um, as, as, a, <laughs> as a fellow YouTuber there. Just sort of like, no, I'm going to cozy up with my journal and <laughs> yeah. just work through it. <laughs> it is, it's the kind of numbers it's, we have more viewership on a monthly basis than some of the large TV stations in Australia, for instance. So our, our viewer numbers are sort of on a global scale. I should probably point out that you probably have more viewership than the entire Australian TV network. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So rather than just a station, I think that's probably more accurate. Yeah. 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 Well, that's interesting. Well, look, I'm, I'm just going to jump in and ask. So um, what do you think has led to this immense success? Like how did you get from obviously zero to where you are right now. Yeah. Well, as I said, I mean, it's a journey and you spoke to me a few years ago when we weren't at the kind of numbers that we're at now. And so every, every stage is, is different and you build on the, on the stage before. I think our growth in particular, growth begets growth in some ways, like success builds on itself. So it has, it has sped up as we've got bigger and bigger. So the time it took us to get from, 
zero subscribers to a thousand and then from a thousand to ten thousand that was probably about the same and then about the same amount of time to get from ten thousand to a hundred thousand which was you know another year and then it probably took us a year to get from a hundred thousand to a million so each time you know those milestones are actually only taking about a year even though you're 10xing the audience size each time Mm. so Mm. it's a bit of a snowball once you get to a certain size you know when we upload a video now we know that it's going to get a certain amount of viewership because we have a huge audience built in and also because we have so many views on a daily basis if we upload a new video everyone who's watching one of our previous videos is going to get the new one recommended immediately so once you're at a certain size it also it also sort of is a bit of a self-fulfilling cycle. That's not to say it's easy once you get to that size because you still got to be making great videos, but it does help and continues to kind of grow with it on itself. It's fascinating because like you hear this and it makes perfect sense, but it still feels almost unbelievably out of reach. How do you break that down so that someone starting today can see that this opportunity does exist maybe, and whether it's a kid's channel or a travel channel or well definitely it's easier in the kids space (laughs) the kids the kids space is is different because kids watch the thing that they love over and over and over again they don't they're not always hungry for a piece of content that they haven't seen so that does make a difference in terms of the content strategy but also the numbers that we're doing now are not something that was achievable when I first started so one of the things when I first started my channel I looked at the largest kids channel on the platform and the viewership that they were getting and thought okay that's the size of the pie right like that's the ocean that we're swimming in that's the sort of pinnacle of what you can reach and if I could get to 50% of that size that would be great and at the time I was looking at you know I'd love to be able to do 10 million views a month 50 million views a month something like that that was the maximum sort of size that I thought was achievable since then the audience in the 10 years since then the audience of kids on YouTube coming to the platform using YouTube to watch content every day has massively grown and so the size of the the ocean that we're swimming in now has massively grown as well. And so my sort of calculation of what I think of is achievable has actually grown as we've grown as well because the platform has continued to grow. So where I set my sights when we started, I have eclipsed that 10 times over. But that, um, I, you know, turning back the clock, I would still be ecstatic with having achieved any of those milestones along the way. I mean, talking about getting to those milestones, like obviously you did grow rapidly in that time, but was there a point where you looked at it and something happened and you said, wow, we're actually onto something here or this is going to be big? Yeah, I think there were a few of those points. Um, they're not they're not really obvious points though. Like I think looking back, you think, wow, the choices that I made at those points, it was really obvious that something was going to be big and so we should take the plunge into what the next step should be. But At the time, they're always a little bit murky, those decisions that you're making. So um, we had a couple of hit videos and that helped, uh, you know, we'd have stable, stable growth and then you'd have a big jump and then we'd have stable growth and then a big jump based on when you had a new hero video kind of hit. Um, And it became obvious probably about two years in was when we um, broke even, I would say, because I was investing a lot of... um, obviously time but also capital into growing the channel because we produce original music for every video um, and that's you know that is quite expensive to do so we um, at 
at a certain point, it kind of became self-sustaining and that was one point in the trajectory where that was a really exciting moment. And then there was another moment where it became clear, okay, we're going to go rent a studio space. We need to have a permanent home. You know, originally we were shooting things on a green screen in, in the spare room at my mum's house kind of thing, you know, and that's <laughs> when you're doing smell of an oily rag kind of scale of production. Then you get to the point where you're like, right, we're going to purpose um, – build a space and then we got an office and kept scaling up and all of those things happened a few years in between um, all of those different milestones but at each one of those points it wasn't obvious that that was the right decision to make um, it was just okay I think we can that we can take the plunge on making that next step and looking back in the rear view mirror most of those turned out to be great decisions but you don't know that at the time in terms of something else I want to ask you about is I mean we're not going to go specifically into content strategies but I would want to ask you about baby shark right because <laughs> Yeah, Baby Shark is a very popular. Yes, song it's a phenomenon. Kids, um, lamented amongst parents, but it's one of those things that is is incredible. Um, and your version is it's one of the biggest. Yeah, I think it's the second biggest. We have two billion views on that on that video. Mm, two billion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's one of those songs where there were a lot of versions on YouTube, and so we knew doing our version. If we could do it well, it had the potential to be huge. Um, mm. And so we spent a lot of time and energy thinking about that video in particular and what our approach would be, what makes ours unique. Um, and one of the things that's unique about our channel amongst kids' channels is that we're live action, that we have real people and mm. that we're dance-centric. So we wrote some original verses with new choreography. We made sure that choreography was kind of core of the part of the video that we were doing because there's a lot of animated versions as well. Um, and then we tested it with kids to see what they liked about it and then re-edit it um, and, yeah, had had success with our version. And since then, we've made many versions of it. So that's the other thing. <laughs> our, our big video became a hero and so we used that formula many times. It's funny. Ant and I actually met the um, Pink Fong guys yeah. um, years and years ago. But before, it was a massive hit. Um, and I remember they played it as an example and I remember listening to the song, and I didn't have kids at the time, I don't think. No, I didn't. And thinking, I said, wow, this is a really catchy song. And I looked it up on, on YouTube, and I played it for my nephews, and they were, like, hooked, hooked on it. And their mum hated me immediately. But, you know, <laughs> they were really hooked. And I'm like, this is a really cool, this is a big song. I have a confession, and that's that a lot of this, you're speaking a language that's new to me. I'm a childless wench. I only have, ch I only have cats as children. I don't know about the origin. All I know is there's age song and someone sings about a baby shark. This is like a different language to me, but I feel like I'm about to mess up my algorithm and go and watch a lot of baby shark videos and like cyberstalk Shannon a bit more and just, yeah, really get some kids content. Yeah, I'm sorry. If you fall down that rabbit hole, I, I apologize. It will be stuck in your head for two weeks at least. It's very catchy. Yeah, it's very catchy. It's dangerously catchy. Oh, no. <laughs> It, it really, really is. Well, I do have one question. Yeah. Well, then I guess if that's acceptable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so more than acceptable. <laughs> thank goodness. Um, so, Shannon, you were talking about how there was a point where you felt like the growth that you've experienced and where you are right now is completely unattainable. Myself and many other people listening will definitely say that they feel they feel that same way. It feels so far beyond me at the moment. 
and I work in a very different space to you. I work in the travel space. So what is something or a couple of things that people like myself, creators in general, can do to kind of set themselves up for success? Maybe not quite the, the dizzying highs of Bounce Patrol, but, you know, just success in general. <laughs> yeah, well, I always thought of the success in terms of what's achievable in my niche yeah. as well. So one of the things that I would do is look at other kids' channels and say, okay, what is the scale? What does a really successful channel in that space look like? What are their numbers? What's a like medium-level successful channel in that space? What are their numbers? And set my goals around that. So rather than looking at the biggest channels on the platform, if you're not making content like yeah, Mr. Beast, yeah. don't compare the scale that you want to get to to be Mr. Beast numbers. And if you're not making kids content, don't compare the numbers to what is achievable in kids content because that's not relevant, right? Yeah. So thinking mm. about your market as a whole and looking at the size of the achievable audience in my market is this, I think I have the capability and creativity to get to being at least halfway up the ladder of what is achievable in my market and then set your first goal there. And then maybe the stretch goal is to get to be the absolute biggest channel in your market, but that's not the biggest channel on YouTube because that's different according to every niche. And so that was always the way that I thought about it. And I had to recalibrate that a few times because the scale of the audience was growing. Um, but I was always really... Um, I had a great sense of satisfaction with achieving each of the milestones that we were at because I knew where we were sitting in terms of sort of other competitor channels in the space, I guess, and um, being realistic about what the numbers should be at a particular point in growth as well. So if you're a year into making video content and you're comparing yourself mm -hmm. to someone who's been doing it for 10 years, say, even if they're in your niche, well, that's not realistic because you know, it takes yeah. time to grow an audience. Yeah. Um, and so what's realistic after one year of content in my niche and then look at that goal and you might be much closer to that than you think you are. But if you just look at the sky and say, yeah. you know, why haven't I reached the moon yet? Then you're always going to be disappointing yourself. Mm. Oh. And that is an issue we see with a lot of creators. Is they're like, oh, I'm not as big as X or Y, but like every single segment is different mm. and there are different audiences and different sizes of audiences dependent on the topic right like we give that example of i think soccer versus dressage right like there's going to be probably a bigger audience for youtube content on, on dressage. soccer than there is going to be on what? on dressage oh, <laughs> 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 and shocks like what my love my hobby for those who are <laughs> actually watching and are only listening there was a big eye roll there from ant <laughs> I don't know if the eye roll was to be with the fact that he was shocked about dressage or he was shocked about the example being used. I'm just not sure. I don't, I don't know either, but I used to, I used to ride ride the horses. I actually used to do the dressage. <laughs> Old Town Road. Yep. You used to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I did. Gosh. I did play soccer too or fo football for the for the Euros. Yeah. Um, well, let's just assume anyway. that more people have access to soccer than they do to yeah, horses. Yeah, dressage and, soccer. Um, now, that's a niche. That, that is a niche. Something. That is an yeah. underserved market, oh, I believe. All, yeah. all five people are not getting into the YouTube content. <laughs> you'd be surprised. Niche. Every niche that you can possibly mention, you think that's got to be five people, and then you'd be completely surprised about yeah. in yeah. however many billion people there are, are on the planet, just how many might be yeah. interested in dressage soccer. Is that not polo? There you go. It's like sense. polo, well, but better. It, yeah. It is. Yeah. Oh, it is in a way. Maybe that's polo. That was polo. Somebody who invented polo exactly. was like, I really like red dress This size. is how I polo like was invented. Someone was sitting there going, let's just put yeah. these two amazing things together. And polo was oh, born. Oh, gosh. 
we've, we've unpacked it. It's, it's happened. <laughs> it's time for Creator of the Month. Creator of the Month, what the hell is that? Well, it's a new thing, but it's an awesome thing. We are spotlighting one rad creator from the community, and that is Jekka Magenta. Jekka does these really great art and creativity videos on YouTube, and she's on a whole bunch of others like Insta. So check her out. Um, we really want to celebrate creators big and small here in Creator Generation and those creators that are bringing positivity to the creator community and Jack has been popping off on the Creator Generation Discord. Um, and so if you know that creator that deserves to be put up in lights or you might be that creator, let us know, jump on our socials or jump on Discord. Super easy to nominate yourself or someone else. And we want to help celebrate this awesome creator community. So nominate for the next Creator Generation Creator of the Month. And all right, back to the podcast. Wait, look, it, it, it does come down to managing expectations. Like there will be different caps at different yes. sizes and you can't compare. It's not apples to apples, yes. is it? Yeah. And also the business model um, differs in different markets as well. So in the kids' space, like one of the core markets is going to, one of the core revenue models is going to be AdSense. And so scalable view numbers is an important part of that. If you're in a different niche where you only need a core community of a thousand people who are actually going to convert into your other business revenue models because they want to buy your course or whatever, you know, come to your training sessions or um, you're a brand account. And so really you're just building awareness of the product, something like that. Mm. Then having billions of views is not important as much in terms of what your key goal what your key metric should be in terms of what you're trying mm. to achieve on the platforms that you're on. So I think just looking at view numbers as a goal is also a bit of a, um, a wrong steer unless, unless viewership specifically is what's driving the, the core of your business. Then can I just jump in here and just so like, you know, you, you said it's somewhat easier on, on a kid's channel to grow big view numbers um, but it's super crowded. Like every, like it, it seems from the outside looking in from a lot of people, and I know this isn't true. That it's, it's kind of simple. Like you sing the same song, Baby Shark, or um, you know, all the current, the, you know, those same sort of riffs you put up there, and that's the same with like you know, like Mr. Beast. It's just like crazy challenges and competitions. Like what is it that you, you like? You know, maybe not Mr. Beast, but like. People looking at, at, at these, like you guys, like what, what is it then that you're doing different? Or is that the secret sauce that, you know, like we... <laughs> I think we that is the secret sauce. I mean, you have to make amazing content as well. Like I think there, there are a lot of people who have um, entered the space and who have done very well. And then there's other people who've entered the space and have not done very well. And if you look at their two types of content, um, I think you can usually see why if you pull apart like what is it about that content like I spend a lot of time and energy working with toddlers and watching them watch content and to see what they like and what they don't like what they respond to what wow. gets them so excited that they have to stand up and start clapping and jumping you know so it's those kinds of things it's being passionate about your topic as well and I think that that comes through on screen. So for us in particular, you know, we're all mates and we're all having a great laugh in between takes. And I think that kind of chemistry comes through on screen, hopefully. So that's 
part of what our niche is. But then for any kind of channel, it's about if you're really passionate about the thing that you're talking about, usually audiences can see that. If you come into a channel because you just want to grow a big channel and not because you care about this topic and you care about the community and you care about the audience, it's it's much harder, I think, when you approach it from that kind of mechanical perspective to say, right, I'm just looking for the formula that's going to be big content. I think passion behind content usually is a large component of success as well. Mm. Well, it's obviously done very well for you. The channel is uh, is a, a giant and it's, it's getting bigger and bigger. And I think, you know, what we really want to sort of cover as well is this aspect of being the biggest. Like, what does the business of being a big YouTuber look like? It's... I mean, in a lot of ways, it's similar to the business of being a medium-sized YouTuber. I don't. I think a lot of the business structures and things that you have to work out when you first go professional, like so when you first decide to leave your nine-to-five to become a full-time creator, a lot of those things that you have to work out at that stage are the same when you're the largest channel in Australia. They're just at a slightly larger scale. So you know, those things like, who am I going to hire to help me with this? How am I going to find that person? It's still those concerns. It's just that now that you have a bigger team and the same kind of things around, do I get support for different, um, you know, like, do I need a manager to help me with contracts or negotiations or other things like that, that those concerns still come up. It's just that the scale of the opportunities and things that you're negotiating um, grow. So there's some scaling issues in terms of workflow for us. So if you're, when we're hiring a team and getting people more involved in the content creation process, one of the things that we sort of needed to work through is when it was a a solo creator, so I was doing essentially many pieces of the production workflow from start to finish. um, If we're hiring people, do we try and replicate someone who's taking a video from ideation all the way through to completion? So they're doing part of the the music production, they're doing the direction, they're doing the video editing, they're doing working with the illustrator all all the way through. Or do we hire specialists to do each of those things? So do you have a department who's the music department, a department who's the video editing department, a department who's the director in studio, that kind of thing. Um, And we've tried different approaches and we sort of do a a little bit of both um so now we have kind of a music arm of the business and then that's handed over to the video team but once we have the video team ideation all the way through to actually doing the edit is the same person generally because we found when you split up who's conceptualizing the video and who's directing the video and who's editing the video there's a bit of a disconnect in in along the way on some of those things but it depends on your content type, whether that's going to work or not. So there's some things to do with like scaling production that get um, that are different challenges as you scale bigger. Surprisingly, that not that much is different. It's just just everything at a at a larger scale. And and you're not in the videos, so I am not. Do you get recognised on the street? Like when you rock into VidCon, like the big show at VidCon, <laughs> and I know you've done I think nine in a row. I think we were talking I about have that. well, like, if and you, if you count Australia as well, I think I've done eleven vidcoms. Eleven, and like, are you rocking rocking the the main floor there, getting getting mobbed like a twenty five million plus subscriber, billions of views? Like, you must have like a security entourage, right? Like, you <laughs> I've never been recognised once for Bounce Patrol in my life. I have a very low profile because I'm not in the show, and most people wouldn't even 
sort of think about who is the creator behind that because you don't when you watch the show, um, you see the five performers and it's a, a a music video and so you don't necessarily take a step back and think oh who directed that, yeah. um, so it's not something that's immediately obvious. Um, and I occasionally make cameos, but yeah, no one's ever no one's ever recognised. What me. about the but Fab Five? Do they get like not very often? So the amazing thing about once. Once they're just in their normal everyday look without the makeup and the hair and the costume, they sort of you have you would have to do a double take to be like, hang on, is that that person from Bounce Patrol? So very occasionally it happens, but you infrequently, only a few times a year do they get recognised. And do you do you miss that silver service of of just rocking up to the bar and <laughs> no not getting that? Like- we're very happy to be anonymous. We're like we're we're happy to to not be recognised. It's fine. I mean, that's don't you know who I am? <laughs> I am Bounce Patrol. Um, no, it's it's fine. I'm <laughs> I'm happy with my with my quiet little uh, anonymity, um, and most people not not realizing down the street that there goes Australia's largest YouTuber. Because um, we'll have to get Moog on Fred from um, Mighty Car Mods. He tells a fantastic oh, story. Yeah. I don't know Shannon if you've 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 met him, like, um, and talked to those guys, but about getting mobbed. I won't tell too much. Mobbed in the street in LA just because they were recognised and like oh, literally yeah. a riot and they were like on top of a car trying to hide from the crowd yeah. and the yeah. LAPD wow. had to come in and like break up this massive yeah. riot in the street because they were recognised and so loved. Um, it's so funny because as you were talking, Shannon, I was actually just remembering that scene. Like they showed the video of it and it was it was crazy. Like it was it was insane. And I don't think they thought there was bigots. And they were nowhere, obviously nowhere near as large as, as you are now. Um, but it does happen. I mean, there's other creator we work with um, who literally he cannot go out in public in the country he's from because he just gets mobbed all the time. And he's just like, no, I have to stay here or no one can find out. And Or when you know, you're know they're traveling um, for social media, they'll make sure there's a delay in post so people can't know where he is in order to make that happen. And you know, end of the day, like there is mass popularity around it. And that's also a channel that's obviously nowhere near your size, but still extremely popular. Yeah, I think we're very lucky in that sense that we don't tend to get recognised. But also the fans being kids, I don't think you'd necessarily get the same, like, um, mob approach. But, yeah, Mm. we actually, we all went to Sydney last weekend um, all together. And so all five of them were there in Sydney for the whole weekend and we were going out and doing different things. And we were... I think once you have all five together, I think, you know, the likelihood of being recognised is then like, wow, no, that's definitely them because that's all five of them. Did not get recognised once. So we hit the, you know, we were walking around Sydney for a couple of days and at no point did we get approached by anyone. We might have got recognised but not approached. That's that's the other thing that could be going on. Walking around Sydney Harbour with like big... You know, baby shark costumes. Shark costumes. costumes. And, no yeah. one, no and one, yet, yeah. surprising, right? <laughs> Disappointing. Like, well, oh, there, there are some, you know, there are some exciting stories, but like, what are some of the, the not so great parts of being as big as you are? It's all I mean, roses. This is great. It's, it's all, all it's all rosy. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. It's all rosy. Um, is there a lot of pressure though, Shannon? Is that a part of it? You feel a lot of pr- I would feel a lot of pressure at that that kind of height. I would be like, "Woof." It's a lot. Of there height. definitely is. There definitely is a lot of pressure every time you publish yeah. a video because 
when you when you first start publishing videos and you think, oh, only so many people are going to see this. So if there's a mistake in there, it's not like yeah. it's going to be a, a massive problem. I could always take it down and redo it or something like that. Or if it's a massive failure, if that video is a flop, it's not going to be epically embarrassing because we only have an audience of 10,000 subscribers. They're not going to mind. They're really supportive anyway. When you have an audience of 25 million subscribers and hundreds of millions of people watching, it's really hard to hit publish um, because you worry that there might be a typo in there and then it's got 200 million views and you can't do anything about it. Um, And it's hard to hit publish too just because if – if it's a flop, everyone's going to know, you know, it's, it's quite embarrassing. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely a lot more pressure that comes from everyone's expecting big things from you and everyone expects every video that you publish to be absolutely amazing. And if it doesn't live up to that expectation, you're like, sorry, I've got to try again next week. Um, so that is challenging, but that's a very like champagne problem, you know, like, oh, it's really hard the pressure of everyone expecting me to do so well because normally my videos do so well. So I'm aware that that's a very privileged problem. How do you feel, Phoebe, when you're yeah. hitting upload? Like, what's that feel like? Is I it, feel is nothing, it... Ant. Um, I'm asleep. Matt does it. Okay. <laughs> no, I've right, got like, <laughs> I'm like disappointing five people. <laughs> my mum's one of them. My dad's the other. <laughs> Oh, don't be like that. That's not no, true. It's not true. But are you kind of you guys are pretty relaxed about it. You like confident. You're not like sweating on it. You know, nervous. Like I know some creators can't sleep the day of an upload or the night of an upload. Or they, no, just, I get yeah, super excited. Like, it feels like they need like a hype, hype team. Yeah, no, it feels like these people are my friends. And like you know, we have the same people who comment every week, and I get so excited to put the video up for them. And I wake up the next morning and I instantly refresh that creative studio comment section because I want to see, like, did Felix like it? Did he enjoy it? How was his trip to Spain that he was taking, you know? Did Harriet and Jim watch it? What did they think? Have they been there? Like, I, I, I don't know. It's like your friends. So I get really excited about it. <laughs> Do you miss those simpler days, Shannon? The simpler, <laughs> simpler days of... Couple you miss like I mean, yes, yes, and no. We don't. It's re- we don't really have any sense of what our audience thinks of it because um, we don't have any comments. So there's no way to interact with the audience on YouTube because it's made for kids content. So in some ways that's bad, but in some ways that's delightful uh, <laughs> because there's no more there's no more hate when you. There's no comments on your videos because it's. There is no comments on made for kids content. Oh, yeah, so there's no comments at all. <laughs> I'm getting roasted live out here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's no comments. There's no community tab. There's no. There's app. Anything that involves interaction with your audience is turned off. I'm changing. So there's no way for I'm them com- to communicate with us or us to communicate with them other than a video. Do you need a sixth member? Mm. And now also being so so. <laughs> <laughs> Being so big, though, do you get any special treatment from YouTube or the platforms? Is anyone going to hey, we need to give them more attention or something like anything like that? Um, not specifically. No, I mean, I do have, I do have the phone numbers of some people at YouTube that I can call if I need to, which is great. But I very rarely need to, and we. Generally speaking, like once you get to a certain size, like in working with our partner manager, for instance, you know, he's very much like, okay, well, you kind of know all of this already. So 
you know, like in terms of what they can offer us in terms of support about using the platform. If we do ever have like a technical issue, it's great to be able to just get in contact with my contact person and say, hey, there's a glitch. Can you fix it, please? And they're mm. pretty with they I think we they move us up a priority list. I don't they mm. have not confirmed that, but I, I think we get we usually get a response pretty quickly. Um, and that's great. But that is very rare. Um, and in general, there isn't you know, I don't have access to YouTube in some in some major way. I mean, look, we work with some really big creators and it's, it's interesting when you get to that level. Usually the advice or help they need is really specific. It's no longer like, oh, you know, how do thumbnails and titles work? I mean, sometimes it is, but generally it's a lot more specific and a lot more strategic. Where would you say, like, someone like you of your size would need assistance and help? On YouTube specifically or generally as, as a YouTube business. Yeah, as a YouTube business, a lot of the things that we think about at grand scale now are strategic things. So, mm. for instance, you know, we're thinking about what does the rise of TikTok mean in terms of mm. is that going to be the big, the biggest video platform in the world in the next three years and what does that mean for kids' content and what does that mean for where we need to be in the space? Um, what does the future of audio as a as a... Um, internet model and platform mean in terms of where people are consuming their content and the kinds of content people want to consume and what does that mean from a business perspective. So a lot of the things that that we think deeply about now are not necessarily content specific to YouTube. It's sort of the, the broader business as a whole and thinking a lot about the future of digital platforms, digital media, where is the industry moving to, what do we need to do to be on top of those moves and making sure that we're still at the top of the game when the game has changed and continues to change every every year. Where do you where do you get those insights? How do you are you just making this up or talking to people? Yeah, you sit with you sit with the slippers on and and uh, have a deep think. Um, yeah, it's also networking, talking to a lot of other big creators. Usually, those are the kinds of topics that we're thinking about. So, um, talking to peers, talking to people like yourselves, um, going to conferences, things like that. Those are the topics that tend to be, you know, the interesting um, the interesting thought space that people are trying to to. Um, figure out and I think everyone doesn't know the answer and that's what's really exciting but also challenging about it um you know like what is the future of shorts on YouTube everyone's still trying to work out the answer to that question um and how you respond to it strategically is more interesting than what what thumbnail do I actually need to think about this week for my piece of content and look here is a question I think everyone would be thinking about and wanting to ask you and I know we get asked about it all the time for creators of all sizes, but like, what does the revenue model look like? What is the potential in terms of monetization does, does it look like? Yeah, I mean, definitely we're doing very well in terms of, <laughs> in terms of how the business flows. Um, I, I think one way to answer that would be in terms of like how many how many salaries we pay. So we have about 10 people that we employ. Um, and so we are like at a scale where that's really sustainable in terms of being able to have that many people on staff. The revenue model for us is largely driven by AdSense, but we're made for kids content. So obviously that you need to take into consideration the fact that the ad rates are, you know, as much as 10 times 
lower than they are per view on grown-ups content. But at the kind of scale that we're at, we can still make those numbers work. Um, and also we're growing on a lot of other platforms as well. So we're the third biggest Australian children's music act on Spotify, for instance, um, and yeah. we're, we're growing our music audience as well. So continuing to kind of build in a lot of, of those areas as well. So what then is the potential? Like where can you take it apart from AdSense? What's the, the next step for someone like you guys in terms of made for kids content specifically yeah well yeah specifically for you yeah Yeah. i think the the next biggest um achievable piece for us is continuing to grow on music platforms Mm -hmm. and our secondary video distribution platforms so there's a lot of other um uh video platforms that host children's content um that is more curated than youtube is so uh, yeah Netflix is an example, right? Coco Melon is the biggest show on Netflix. It's bigger mm. than Bridgerton and Squid Game and what have you. Like it is, it is their largest viewership. I'm pretty sure. I need to check that, but I'm pretty sure that's true. That that's got the biggest viewership. So, for example, there are other places where kids content can be hosted. And Coco Melon, for those who don't know, was a YouTube first brand mm. um, and has now been picked up on some of those other platforms. Mm. We are not on Netflix, um, mm. but we are on some other um, kids video platforms as well. So that's another area that we sort of grow live. Although for us and with COVID and everything, that's not something that we're pursuing at the moment. But um, live for kids um, brands in particular. And then also the traditional way that kids media makes revenue is through licensing and merchandising. Mm -hmm. So um, if you think of, you know, Disney being the biggest kids property in the world, a and a larger portion of their revenue comes from selling toys than it does from selling movies. So um, the the traditional way that kids brands um, make revenue is is through licensing and merchandising. And there is a lot more digital creators who are entering that space. Um, that's not something that we're currently pursuing, but that's another area in the future. Look, I, we are running out of time, but I want to sort of ask one more question. And I guess it comes from the point of view, there are a lot of creators who are starting at zero and they see or hear about creators like yourself who have astronomical viewership. That feels a bit daunting, but at some point, I sort of want viewers to imagine that you were sitting there with zero subscribers and zero views and you were thinking, what do I do now, right? Yes, exactly. And what would advice would you give someone at that point? Well, First of all, just start because you can always later take down that first one or two videos. I think the hardest part is actually making content to begin with and and taking your idea from something that you think this could be a really cool idea into I've actually made some videos. Mm -hmm. Getting the ball rolling is the hardest part. Um, And I spent a long time on the first couple of videos. So from when we actually filmed them to when we launched the channel because I had three or four ready to go so that there wouldn't be one video and then two months with nothing. Mm. Um, And so I worked on the content um, behind the scenes before we launched. But even then it was hard to press upload the first time, right? Because you're you're like, oh, I've prepared all this stuff, but like what's going to happen? And so I think just getting over that initial hurdle of being brave enough to press upload Mm. um, because – no one's going to watch it. <laughs> when you have zero, zero subscribers and zero views, like don't be disheartened. Your mum's going to love it. 
but very few people are going are gonna to watch that video. So just take the pressure off yourself and just start. Um, and until you've got a few videos up, that's when it's going to start getting viewership and scale anyway. So don't worry too much about the first few. I love that. Awesome. Shannon, thanks so Thank much you. again for joining us and we'll hopefully see you soon. Thank you. Bye. Create the generation. Look on the mic.